Okay, the rest of us, let's grab our Bibles and go to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter, can you guess? There's 16 of them. Okay, all right. Book of Mark, chapter 9. Whoa, hello. Book of Mark, chapter 9. Tell my message is don't stop believing. Is somebody singing the Journey song right now? That is fantastic. All right. Don't stop believing. All right. And uh, we're in Mark chapter 9. We have been sharing a series of messages on encounters with Jesus. Encounters with Jesus. And today there is a very interesting encounter that takes place between a, a father, I would say a really desperate father, and Jesus. And what takes place in this story, I think, is pretty profound. So uh, that's why I've chosen Don't Stop Believing. You'll see why I've chosen that. This is actually a, about a city boy born and raised in South Detroit. And, uh, okay, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> Just want to see who's paying attention. All right. I'm a child of the 80s, folks. Um, So, without any further ado, uh, why don't you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this together. Mark chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to go to verse 27. Here's what it says. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing about with them? Uh, He asked, and a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus replied, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. See what I did there? Okay, all right. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Whatever, whatever you're thinking, don't stop believing in Jesus. So Lord, would you speak to us as we look at yet another encounter that somebody had with you? And God, I pray for life change. I pray for peace. I pray for encouragement today. 
I pray for strength for those that, that need it today. And may your word come alive as we hear it presented, Lord Jesus. We ask you for that anointing to take place. And we'll thank you for all you do. It's in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Um, so here are the circumstances behind the story, okay? Jesus has, in, in, in the verses prior to what we just read, okay? So in the first 13 verses of this chapter, Jesus has been on top of a mountain. He's been on what's called the mountain of transfiguration, which means Jesus has had this amazing experience and, and, and he took a few of his disciples with him. So there's just amazing things happening at the top of this mountain. When Jesus comes down from the mountain, from this encounter, he finds this scene that we just read. And he walks down from this encounter and he sees people arguing and fighting and angry. Let me just pause here and say, you should not be surprised that on the heels of some of your greatest experiences with God, that when you come down from the mountain, not everybody is going to be glory hallelujah. Sometimes they might be arguing. Sometimes they might be fighting. Sometimes they might be nasty. But don't stop. Don't stop. Jesus comes to this scene, and, and really this is where our story begins. And... What I want to do is, is break this story into four really important parts that I want to share with you here today on this encounter with Jesus. And I think that as we unpack this story, it's really going to encourage a lot of you in here today, especially those of you who might find yourself a little desperate like this father was. Let me show you what I mean. Here's the first part. Let's take a look at what I would call the peace. Thank you, son. The peace. Jonathan just sang part of the song, Hello, Peace. Hello, Joy. How many of you know that in the presence of God, there is perfect peace? Can you say amen? amen. And so Jesus comes down. He's with his three of his disciples. Okay, so the other nine, what's going on? Take a look at the scripture. Okay, verses 14 and 15. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. And as soon as, look at this, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. Now there's a lesson here. There's a lesson here. When the other nine disciples, and it sounds like that there was an argument going on between the religious leaders of that time that were there and the other nine disciples because none of them could cast the demon out of this kid that we're going to get to in just a little bit. So there's fighting and there's bickering. And of course, the religious leaders were always trying to catch Jesus doing something and, 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 and trying to trap him with his words. They'd ask these trick questions. I mean, they were constantly trying to make trouble. And Jesus shows up in the midst of this chaos and everything changes. 
Look at that verse on the screen again. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. They went from arguing to having wonder at the presence of Jesus. You see, being fully in the presence of Jesus, you know what happens? All the bickering and all the arguing and all the stuff that doesn't really matter, that goes away in the presence of Jesus. What's that old chorus say? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The things of the world tend to become less significant when you're in the presence of Jesus. As soon as Jesus' presence showed up, things changed. Listen, if you would rather argue than worship, you are a person who needs more time in the presence of God. If you'd rather be a critic than a worshiper, then you need more time in the presence of God because the two don't go together. Can I have an amen on that? And so in the midst of all that madness, Jesus shows up and there's peace. Let me say it again. In the midst of all that madness, Jesus shows up and then there's peace. Jesus can stop the madness that's in your life. You're going through chaos, Jesus can put a halt to it. Is there madness going on in your life? Are things crazy in your life right now? Jesus can bring peace to that. Are you thankful for that today? Just the presence of Jesus can change everything. What do I mean by that? Instead of dwelling so much on what you're facing here on earth, dwell on the presence of God. Pray to him. Worship him. Put on praise music if you need to. You can get it anywhere now. Get into God's word. Some of you, you are just devouring God's word lately, and it shows because God's changing you because of it. There is peace from the madness when God's presence is in the place. Can you say amen? amen? So that's the first part. Here's the second part of this story, and I want to take a look at the man's prayer. Okay. This is an interesting prayer. And parents and grandparents, I especially want to put your parent hat on here as you read this prayer and as you go through the description of what this son is going through. And starting in verse 17, the man makes this request to Jesus. He says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And then look at the further description. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So this father had a really legitimate prayer, didn't he? 
A real legitimate prayer. Wow. I mean, if your child, maybe this is normal behavior for your child, but if your child throws himself to the ground and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid, foams at the mouth, okay, you've got an upset parent wondering how in the world am I going to deal with this? But I want... Okay, y'all ready for this? I, I want to direct your attention back to verse 17. Keith, can we put that up there again? See, because if I'm the dad and I'm face to face with Jesus and I'm giving him a description of what's going on, I got to be honest with you. I would think that my first concern would be the throws himself in the fire thing. He tries to kill himself. He foams at the mouth. He becomes rigid. He, he, it's, it's, it's awful. That, that wasn't the first thing he said. What's the first thing the dad said in verse 17? Teacher, I brought you my son. He, he's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Jesus. My son and I, we don't talk anymore. Let me try this side. <laughs> we don't talk anymore. See, there were some really extra things going on in that son's life, obviously. And... Jesus could take care of it, but, but the first complaint that the father had was the fact that father and son were no longer communicating. When father and son, when mother and daughter, when parent and child stop talking, the devil's at work. And I'm not suggesting that your child is demon-possessed, okay? I, if you know me, I am not a demon-under-every-rock kind of guy, all right? If you've got a cold, we're not going to cast a demon of sniffles out of you, okay? But at the same time, I think that the enemy, if the enemy could destroy anything, he will destroy the family even before he tries to destroy the church, And the first complaint this man had was that the relationship with his son was impacted in such a way that there was no longer any talk, no longer any communication between the two. And friend, if that is the case with your situation today, I want you to know that your situation is not too serious for Jesus. Your child is not too far gone. Your situation is not so crazy that Jesus can't step in 
and deal with things. He can do it. You might think that, oh, I don't know where the answer is going to come from. I don't know what's going to happen because of what I'm facing here, because of what's going on in my family, because of what's going on in my job, because of what's going on in my health, because of what's going on in my life. I just, this is just too much. But I will tell you that nothing is impossible for Jesus. I'm thankful that Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Bring your boy to Jesus. Bring your daughter to Jesus. Bring your grandchildren to Jesus through prayer. Bring your situation to Jesus. Bring your health to Jesus. Bring your job situation to Jesus. Bring your home situation, your relationships, all of it. Bring it all to Jesus. Because nobody can do anything with that better than Christ. He's come down from the mountain, and there might be madness going on in your life, but Jesus wants to speak peace to that, and he wants to change your circumstances. But hear me. The third part of the story is where I want to camp out on the most. We've seen that there was peace, and then we've seen the Father's prayer. But I want... (laughs) I want to show you the priority that Jesus placed on this situation. Jesus did something that I would not have done. Now, that happens a lot. <laughs> but, but Jesus did something that I, I would have responded a different way. Way different. Let me show you. Look at verse 19. It says, You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How... Uh, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, uh, or, or they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Now, before I go any further, I will tell you, as a proud graduate of Central Bible College, I would have immediately kicked in to my pastor prayer mode. Maybe got some anointing oil, and I would have just started praying for him right there. It's like, okay, all right, devil, get out of here. I would have just started the whole, I mean, we're going to pray fire down. How many know what I'm talking about, okay? This guy can, oh, some of you would have just ran away. But, but, but this kid is just foaming at the mouth, convulsing on the ground. Now I'm thinking, all right, this kid needs prayer now. And, then, and, and Jesus didn't do that. This... <laughs> This kid is having a demonic fit right in front of Jesus. What does Jesus do? Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Time out. Do you remember a statement I made last week? And I've I've said it many times. Whenever Jesus asks a question, Pay attention because he always knows the answer. Jesus was not on a fact finding mission. Hmm, so let's diagnose this here. See if I can get an antibiotic for him. That's not what he's doing. And I don't think that was Jesus' voice. Uh, (laughs) There was something about the answer. 
Let me say it again. There was something about the answer. Dad, how long has he been like this? And then the father said, since childhood. Then he says, it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you could do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, maybe some of you caught it, but I got to show you the sequence of events here with this part because it's fascinating. Again, Pastor Phil would have said, oh my, we got ourselves a shaker. That's not how we label them. I just, I just said that, okay? But we, we got ourselves, boo, okay. We, we, got a, we, got a, we got a situation here. So I would have called the, the prayer warriors and we would have just, woo, we're, we're gonna pray this kid through. But while the kid is laying there, oh my goodness, while he's laying there convulsing, under the influence of demonic spirit, Jesus says, hmm, so how long has it been like this? Now, if I'm the dad, I'm like, what? <laughs> and Jesus is just standing there. But, 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 okay, there was something about the answer. There was something about the answer. Okay. How long has he been like this? Since childhood. There, there's something about that answer that was not eye-opening for Jesus because Jesus already knew it. There was something about that answer that was eye-opening to the Father. I don't know what it was. But we start getting a clue as this goes on. See, because in verse 22, he says, it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you could do anything, look what I highlighted on here. Take pity on us and help us. Oh, we got to change here. So the dad goes from, help my boy. Oh, okay, Jesus, you're, you're, you're kind of reading my mail here. Okay, well, help us, okay? And it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't stop there. Jesus says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. The dad went from help my boy to help us to help me. All while the kid is on the floor, on the ground, having this terrible moment right in front of Jesus. The very thing that this man wants his son to be delivered from and of. And, 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 and Jesus, instead of dealing with a demonic boy, he is actually dealing first with an unbelieving dad. 
Does that mean that Jesus didn't care about the boy? That's nonsense. But look at the statement. See, the Lord is just as concerned with what he can do in you as with what he can do for you. I mean, this is something. I mean, again, the way I'm wired, whoo, we got to fix this. We got a problem. This kid's wow. But Jesus said, no. While the kid is convulsing in front of him, Jesus just stands there and says, let's, let's, uh, I'm going to get to him. I got him. But dad, first, I want to talk about you. I have found that there have been times in my life where the madness and the chaos and the confusion has ensued. And I want God to fix it. And the whole time, and, and, and Jesus is like, all right, Phil, I, I, I can handle your, your madness, your chaos, your confusion, your situation. I, I got it. But can you and I talk a little bit? Have you met somebody who is far from God and they want Jesus to do a miracle for them, but they don't want to change? They want Jesus, or maybe you don't have to be too far from God, but we want Jesus to change our situation, but we don't always want him to change us. Let me try that side. We often, we want Jesus to change our situation, but we rarely want him to change us. And before Jesus said anything to get that demon off, out of that kid, before, before Jesus even dealt with the son, he dealt with the dad. Could it be in the midst of my praying for someone else's issues that Jesus says, okay, but you got some issues too, Bubba. Not all of you would be called Bubba. That's just kind of personal. In, in, the, in the midst of saying, Jesus, take care of this. Jesus might say, okay, and and while I'm at it, let me take care of you. And this is often, this is often where we miss it. Because all we want is stuff. And we are not very quick to say, Jesus, change me. Fix things for me, Jesus, but we're good. Jesus, don't you see? The, don't you see the situation? I mean, if I'm the dad, I'm like, okay. Really? Now? I mean, can't we get to this later? And it was at that moment that Jesus wanted to deal with the dad. Listen, 
You might be praying for God to do something special in your life, and that is a good thing to do. That's a powerful thing to do. But don't miss out on Jesus doing something in you as well. That's what makes this man's encounter so unique. Because before Jesus fixed his situation, Jesus dealt with the man's unbelief. And sometimes I think before or as well as dealing with my own personal situation, Jesus wants to deal with my heart. Maybe I'm too critical. Maybe I got a big mouth. Maybe, don't amen that. Maybe, maybe I'm too judgmental. Maybe I've got some issues that, that I won't turn over to God. And Jesus will actually use these moments of your desperation to say, okay, okay, I got you. But in the meantime, let's, let's work on this. Isn't that powerful? The man's focus went from help my boy to help us to help me. And maybe God needs to do that with some of us today. I've got your situation. But while I got you here, let's deal with you. You see, Jesus did not deal with the dad despite the boy. Jesus dealt with the dad along with the boy. And that's the final part of this message is, is there was some incredible power that was displayed as a result of this. And by the way, think of this. This, this man has some unbelief going on. And, and he's confessed that to God, to, right, right to Jesus' face. And Jesus still answers his prayer, which is amazing to me. Starting in verse 25, take a look at this. It says, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit, you deaf and mute spirit. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said that he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. He lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. You can still count on God to answer your prayer. Even when, even when he needs to work in you as well. Well, I would pray, but I've not been real faithful lately. Jesus would say, go ahead and pray. But let's let's work on that. Let's work on that. Your attitude's bad? Okay, let's work on that. I got your need. Let's work on your attitude. You're you're, you're kind of a critical spirit? Okay, I got your need. I see it. He's flopping right in front of me. But let's deal with you as well. Let's deal with that sin issue that you have such a hard time breaking. Let, let's, let's deal with that. Let's deal with that temptation issue. Let's, let's deal with the choices that you're making right now. Let's, let's deal with fill in the blank. What might that be? 
if you were to be confronted with Jesus today. Lord, give me a miracle. But at the same time, change me. Give me a miracle. But at the same time, change me. Don't stop believing in Jesus. Don't stop expecting him to do great things. Because the same God that can take care of your very visible, difficult, harsh situation is also the same God who wants to enter into your heart and do a work in you as well as for you. Can you say amen? amen? Jonathan, if you could help me. I want us to stand together if we could. Can we stand? And th- there may be some folks here today who need Jesus to do a miracle. It might be a child. It might be a family member. It might be a job situation. It might be healing It might be a situation in your home or at work. I mean, as many people as are in here and are watching us online, there could be different ways that we fill that blank. But I would say this. Yes, we're going to ask God to take care of those things. But could it be that Jesus has something to say to you as well, personally? Could it be that, yeah, I I got your thing. I got your situation. Okay, good. But now, now, me and you, what can he do in you? What can he do in you? Don't settle for just one miracle when Jesus is ready to give you two. And so I want us to pray. And, and, and then I'm going to direct you just to kind of stand or sit or kneel in God's presence and Ask him, Jesus, is there something in my life that you want to deal with me personally about? And let him speak to you. Let him speak to you. So, so that might mean that you've got to be quiet for a little bit and just let his spirit deal with your spirit. And let his heart tug on your heart. Let God do this work. Whatever that is, whatever he has to do in you, would you let him start that work today? Yes, give him your situation, but, but let him do that work in you as well as for you. So I'm going to pray when I get done praying. I'm, I'm just going to let you linger in God's presence as long as you need to and let him speak to you, speak to your heart and tell you what needs to change and, and obey him, friend, obey him. And when God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. So Jesus, some of us, we're we're going to lift up prayers to you about our situations. God, I know that there are people in this room that are facing some tough stuff. And Lord, we don't diminish that. Not for a moment. This man's son... That was important to you. But Jesus, would you also work inside my heart and our hearts, inside my mind and our minds, inside my spirit and our spirits? Would would you 
would you do that work in me as well as for me today? So I pray for every situation that we lay at your feet. Nothing's too difficult for you. And God, in the midst of our madness, may your presence bring peace. But Jesus, don't stop there, please. Please don't stop there. We open up our hearts and we say, now, Lord, do the work in me as well as for me. And God, I'll thank you for what you will accomplish in this place. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we ask this. Amen. If you need to linger in his presence, then do so. When God releases you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless.